Investor intelligence provides general information only. You should consider seeking independent advice to see how this information relates to your unique circumstances. Please refer to the terms and conditions available at investorintelligence.com.au for more. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski-Wallace. So joining me back again today is our investment expert, Mr. Luke Harris. Happy Friday to you, Luke. Happy Friday, Phoebe. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, Luke, Investing in property is a big decision for most and choosing the right location can be the key to achieving long-term financial success. However, Australia is a very big country and it's got many areas, it's got many suburbs to choose from. So it can be understandable that it's very overwhelming to determine which ones are sort of worth investing in. Luke, we're often asked that question of kind of where is the best place to buy or where are these hotspots? And now, of course, if you've listened to any of our episodes, you'll know that there are quite a few steps to go through before someone should start looking at which areas. Um, You know, this should always come after you've put a plan in place. Luke, first of all, is the question of where I should specifically buy or where are these hotspots, are they often brought to you as the first question that someone usually asks? A lot of our members have the education first so they're not coming to us looking for a hotspot as such uh, but there are a lot of people out there looking in the investment space to to buy property and they really do follow hotspots and they follow those trends to try and I guess chase the hotspots and chase maybe the upcoming hotspot to see if they can mm-hmm. you know cash in on some quick uh, quick equity or some quick gains um, in in the property market. Yeah. Are you ever asked to the point where, you know, someone's wanting to know like the address of a hotspot? Well, you know, often a hotspot will be a, a suburb or a, a pocket of a, of a suburb, um, mm. but generally known as a suburb or an area. Um, mm. Certain cities have been named as hotspots uh, over the years, but generally it's narrowed down to a specific area like a suburb. Yeah. yeah. So today I, I wanted to discuss that and sort of what goes into a suburb being you know, more of a trending suburb for 2023 or, you know, what we've said as a hotspot. So, Luke, what makes a suburb a hotspot? There's a few factors that, that can make a suburb a hotspot. And I think the thing that we need to really think about here is that is investing in hotspots actually a good idea in the first mm. instance? Now, um, what, is, what does a hotspot look like? Essentially, a hotspot is something where there, there is some increased sales activity, which is bringing it to the attention generally of the media of, of some description. So as mm. you'll probably find it in property magazines and property websites talking about a particular suburb or a particular area. Uh, it might be on some uh, property experts' radar saying this is going to be the, the upcoming hotspot or it's about to become a hotspot. But um, what makes it a hotspot typically is there's, there's increased sales activity and that usually gets uh, underpinned by some infrastructure Going into the area, there might be uh, new schools or shops or train stations announced 
there could be other infrastructure like uh, you know hospitals and things nearby. And often what might happen is that an area has just been undervalued for a long time and it's just decided that it's going to have a lot of growth in a short space of time. So a suburb might be sitting there under the radar for quite some time, undervalued, bit of bit of an ug- ugly duckling, as they say. <laughs> and then a, a, within a short space of time, people realise that and sales activity increases relatively quickly. The only reason people know something is a hotspot is by the, uh, the, the noise that gets generated around it, right? Because uh, the local real estate agents in Western Australia, for example, might be aware of a hotspot and there might be a lot of increased sales activity, but it's usually when it gets picked up by the media or you know one of the property magazines or, or something like that, that it becomes a hotspot and it gets officially named, I guess, a hotspot. Mm-hmm. And then more people jump on the bandwagon and I, I guess fuel the fire even more Yeah, yeah. by uh, looking to buy in those areas. Okay, so increased sale activity, sales activity, population growth, infrastructure projects. Can a hotspot be... Uh, picked off, say, like capital growth versus like a cash flow hotspot? Well, typically, yeah, looking at uh, something like many years ago, people were investing in Western Australia and other mining towns uh, and or in mining towns in Western Australia and other mining towns around the country, including in Queensland, uh, where people would go for the higher yield that's in an area because they mm. saw that rents were going up, rents were going up, people jump into the market thinking the yield's going to be amazing. So therefore, they pay even more for the price. More people hear about prices going up. They also hear about the good yields. So more people get into that market. And what it does mm-hmm. is it just continues to fuel that hotspot. And to a certain extent, that's an artificial fueling of that hotspot because it was named a hotspot by a bunch of people. And I guess the issue with that is that um, people forget about the underlying fundamentals of the actual property. And mm. because somebody called it a hotspot, they just go in blind thinking, well, I'm buying in a hotspot area, so therefore it must be good. Uh, but we still need to make sure we're looking at the long-term fundamentals of any investment and making sure it fits our long-term plan. Mm. So on the other side of that then, what does the wrong suburb look like? Or I don't even know what the opposite word of a hotspot is. Cold well, spot. Could be a cooling off, cool, <laughs> a cooling off spot. Uh, I guess you could call it the wrong spot. Uh, and often the, the wrong suburb uh, – I guess to answer the question is, is probably something that's called a hotspot. Because generally, if it's called a hotspot, it means that it's general information, it's public information, everybody knows that it's a hotspot. Therefore, the actual growth that made it a hotspot has probably already happened. So by the mm-hmm. time you hear about it being a hotspot, it's probably already happened and you've missed your chance. So making sure that you're not following trends. It might be a short-term trend. It might be something that's in the media. There might be a one-off announcement of some infrastructure, which makes it a short-term hotspot. Doesn't necessarily make it a long-term uh, investment that's going to work out for you as an individual. So, I guess the wrong suburb is going to be something that is already named a hotspot. People are already jumping into that market, and prices are increasing because it's a hotspot. Mm. Can one suburb? of a city grow while another in the same city fails. So, for example, sometimes we see that, you know, Sydney might be getting hit harder, uh, say, in comparison to Melbourne. But let's consider, you know, Fitzroy and Collingwood, which are neighbouring suburbs in in Melbourne. They're right next to each other, you know, kind of to the point where not many people know where one starts and one ends. But yes. could two suburbs so close have vastly different growth outcomes? Absolutely. And, and it happens 
in every property market around the country right now, you've got neighbouring suburbs that are performing completely different. Mm. Uh, and the reason for that is that no two suburbs are exactly the same. Like you said, Collingwood, Fitzroy, they're very similar suburbs, but they do have different uh, features and benefits. Uh, they do have their own, I guess, following. Some people want to live in Fitzroy. They don't want to live in Collingwood or vice versa. And it's just mm. that, I guess, that... Um, perception that goes with being in a particular suburb it's like being in South Yarra, Paran or Windsor along Chapel Street where our office is you know mm. people uh, they, they associate themselves with I guess the brand that goes with that suburb in, in uh, these inner city locations but I guess to answer the question yes different suburbs can grow at different rates and there's reasons for certain suburbs having um, different growth rates and often it can just be a, a psychological thing. People have a, an increase. There might be new bars and cafes in a particular area that open up or there might be a new, uh, essentially a new hotspot, as in mm, a, a mm. new bar or cafe that opens up and it gets some media attention. That brings focus on that suburb again. And then more people think, I would love to be able to wake up on a Saturday morning and go to that cafe or mm. go out to that bar or that restaurant at night time. And I might go and have a look at property in that area because you know I'd like to live that lifestyle. And that brings extra attention on it and, and that might assist uh, some short-term growth. But uh, some suburbs can have no change for a long period of time, no, mm. no new developments, there's no new infrastructure, there's no real upgrades and therefore a, a suburb can be stagnant for a period of time. And some of those can be good ones to look out for because they can be the ones that relatively sit there under the radar and don't really get much attention and those ones really are probably the ones to be looking out for as being the next hotspot. But then picking that can be a very tricky task as well because it's very easy to get that wrong. You might assume something's a hotspot uh, and it may not be. The neighbouring suburb might be performing really well and you think mm. that obviously this one's been quiet for some time. There hasn't been much change in that suburb. Therefore, we haven't had much growth and therefore it might be a hotspot. But then again, it might not be. So we just need to be mindful that chasing hotspots can be a very, uh, very risky strategy as far as uh, your investing strategy, uh, and really it is it is a little bit of a gamble because trying to find the next hotspot or jumping onto an existing hotspot uh, could cause some issues in your investing portfolio. So we've got to always got to focus on the fundamentals of the investment. Mm, okay, so hot the the reason why an area can be a hotspot is sometimes actually based on artificial hype absolutely it's an emotional thing where a lot of people yeah, wow. will get in so you know sophisticated investors might get on board early and they start investing in these areas and jump on and they they're in well and truly early uh to to the investing cycle and when people start seeing that growth they get on board they get on the bandwagon and some of those early uh adopters might get some of that growth but the, by the time it gets known as a hotspot it's generally too late because yeah. 75% of the growth that's going to happen in that that mini mini boom that it has um, has probably already happened. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen in every case. Sometimes you might mm. jump onto a hotspot and that hotspot just keeps going for, for a lot longer than it was expected. And the Gold Coast is a perfect example of that right now. And people were saying, you know, during COVID, property prices around the country were going to crash and it was going to become a big disaster. Obviously, with the relocation of people from capital cities to these uh, I guess, regional areas uh, or these smaller cities. Um, Gold Coast has been a perfect example of that where prices have just skyrocketed and mm. days on market are reducing and available properties are they're selling for a premium price and people that jumped on that 
some people are still riding that wave, but people getting into the market now in that particular market in the Gold Coast don't actually know how much longer it's got to go. And that's where there's a bit of a gamble knowing whether is this going to continue for another year or two or am I literally buying right at the peak of the the cycle? Mm. And um, that's where the risk lies. Um, So getting into an area early and capturing all of that growth is a much better way of investing. So speaking of risks then, what are some of the risks of buying in the, you know, I say I keep saying rug suburb, but um, cool spot. A, a cool spot. Well, buying, I, I would say the risk lies in buying in a hot spot because you probably are paying okay. too much for that property. Um, I, I guess a, the, the flip side to that in buying in a cool spot area is maybe you've bought well and truly after it's a hot spot. If I pull out some of my old uh, property magazines from you know 20 years ago and I, I still have them all uh, sitting there in the <laughs> office um, and uh, some of them will, will name various hotspots and they might have been hotspots two or three times since then. Um, Neighbouring suburbs might have become hotspots uh, but again a hotspot really is just a catchphrase that's used in the investment market or in the property market I should say uh, to really bring attention to a particular area. So mm. it's probably not a good investment criteria uh, to be to be looking at, but unfortunately, a lot of people do, and yep. a property hotspot seems to be the the lingo that people like to use, saying I want to buy in a hotspot area without really knowing what it means. And generally, real estate agents don't you know show you through a home and say this home is in a hotspot. You should buy no. it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so you know it is generally the media uh, that that will pick up on these things and name mm. it a hotspot. But the reason they're doing that is because there's already enough evidence and enough data there to show that it's increasing in value and that rents or yields are increasing and uh, therefore they can justify it being a hotspot. Mm. Um, we've got to keep in mind that in every area, every suburb around the country, we're going to have diversity in that property market. So a hotspot might be the apartment market in a certain suburb or the house and land market in a certain suburb or the townhouse mm. market in a certain suburb. So Every area is different. It's going to have a mix of properties. It's going to be made up completely differently. And certain property types might be hot, Mm. but other property types in exactly the same suburb might not be as hot. So these are things that you've got to break down and consider to exactly what is driving a market to be a hotspot. Is it a new development? Is it infrastructure? Is it the fact that a price suburb has been priced very uh, low for a long period of time and it's just being discovered by a few uh, people that are pushing prices up. Maybe there's a, a large sale that happens. You know, so often you might have a an older suburb that's been sleepy for a while, um, and there might be a large sale that happens. It might be a five or ten million dollar sale of a, a large piece of land, and that brings attention to the area because people haven't really discovered that area for a while. It hasn't been spoken about. It hasn't been in the media, and there hasn't been any large sales. But then developer might come in and buy a piece of land. And all of a sudden, that brings attention. That attention highlights the fact that it's an affordable area and then it sort of starts that cycle all over again. But that's happening at all different levels in every suburb around the country. So mm-hmm. a hotspot could last for, for a week. It could last for two years. So trying to pick that can be a very difficult task. Okay. I was going to ask if property type actually affects whether or not a suburb is a hotspot or not. Like, can an apartment in one suburb be a good investment while a house in the exact same suburb not be? Well, yes, that could could eventuate. Um, 
But when we're looking at areas like the Gold Coast as a, as a general rule, and as we've seen across a lot of our regional areas over the last couple of years since COVID, um, places like uh, Byron Bay, the Gold Coast, Sunshine Coast, Airlie mm. Beach, you know, all of these sort of um, coastal towns, even in WA, Margaret River and places like that that um, weren't as affected by COVID, but certainly on the East Coast, uh, a lot of people have actually seen that. And places like the Gold Coast have got a diversified market and essentially the Gold Coast itself has become a hotspot since COVID. Therefore, everything in that market seems to be selling for a premium. Uh, mm-hmm. And that includes the high-end market just as much as it is the, the one-bedroom apartments. So in that scenario, the, a whole area can be a hotspot for a period mm-hmm. of time. Um, but only if it's called a hotspot, it might just be a rising market and just yeah. doing what it, what it will normally do. So we're in a very unique situation at the moment where a lot of areas around the country have been called hotspots when they probably shouldn't be because they're just doing what they normally do. They're going through their normal price growth cycle and they'll have ups and downs. Certain properties will go up and down and sideways, uh, but the reality is is that it's not really a hotspot. It's just having its normal price growth. Mm. Does the impact of buying in the right suburb change depending on whether you're pursuing a buy and hold strategy or a timing the market strategy, which is something we spoke about a couple of weeks ago um, on an episode? Well, the, the impact is, is going to change on, on how you're buying. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Uh, if you buy the, the right property at the wrong time and you hold on to it for long enough, you can recover from you know, any any overvalued property that you pay. So if you buy into a hotspot area and you just happen to buy in at the wrong time and you've paid too much for it, if you hold it for 10 or 20 years, you'll probably recover from that and you'll still do okay. Um, if you're trying to time the market um, to get in and get out, uh, you've got to factor in, of course, your, your purchase costs. So you've got all of your legal costs, your stamp duty costs. And then, of course, you've got to sell that property. You've got your agent costs and then capital gains tax if you make a profit. So Timing the market can be very risky, and especially if you're chasing hotspots. Um, it's you know, if you think about a, a, a cat trying to chase a laser or something around the room, you can see you're just like a crazy person trying to chase the hotspot. Yeah. And there's no there's no real investment fundamentals behind that. You're chasing a hotspot and hoping that you you get it right. And I think there's a flip the coin situation on that whether you're going to get it right or get it wrong. Um, that's not really investing in my view. Mm. Long term property investing works if you do it carefully. If you do it slow and steady, wins the race. Uh, but yes, the impact of buying the right suburb uh, will, will change if you're looking at just trying to time the market and get in and get out at the right time. Mm. If you want to know more about those strategies, we did release, as I said before, an episode a couple of weeks ago, and it was called Slow and Steady Always Wins the Race. Um, so definitely right. look out for that one. But look, that this all sounds like it's quite hard to... Um, navigate then if you don't have the right resources and if you shouldn't just be chasing hotspots, which sounds very tempting to do, but what's, what is the best way to navigate this then? Look, a lot of things are difficult in, in life. I mean, building a spaceship is probably difficult as well. Um, you sure. know, but, you know, going through this process of trying <laughs> to pick a hotspot and trying to get your investing right, um, it, it does take careful consideration. It takes planning and it takes the right structure to, to get the results that you're looking for. And a lot of people get started in property by hearing about it somewhere in the media or from friends or family that bought in a certain area and made some capital gains very quickly. Um, but the reality is, is that 
that doesn't mean that you can replicate it in every market. So yes, you might bought a property one time and you, you bought a hotspot and you did well. That's fantastic and a big high five to you. But can you replicate that in any market? Do you know how to pick that again? And can you build your entire strategy around that? And the answer for most people is no, I can't. Mm. I can't actually go and do that. You know, and I think if you're looking at, um, looking at building a property portfolio similar to going to the gym, you're not going to go out there and do two gym sessions and all of a sudden you're, you're as fit and healthy as you could ever be. You've got to do <laughs> little bits at a time, like slow and steady. That'd be great, building, though, wouldn't it? Well, exactly. But building the progress <laughs> that you've done, you know, a lot of people try and cheat. They'll take drugs and, you know, do other things that they can do to try and make it go faster. And a lot of property investors are no different and they try and do things to try and fast track or shortcut mm. um, their investment results. But investing is a long-term thing. It's not something that you can get in and get out and make quick dollars. And yes, there are people that do that, but most of those people don't have a, a, a tried and proven system that can be replicated in any market. And so this is what we want to make sure that people understand. If you want to go out there chasing hotspots, make sure that you understand the difference between investing and gambling. Yeah. Okay, because investing means that you've got a plan, you understand what you're doing, you've got the right team of people around you, and you know how every property that you purchase is going to help you achieve your long-term goals. Um, mm. If you don't understand that and you don't care about those things, then by all means go out there and uh, chase the hotspots and see how it goes. But you know, I think it, you need to have more structure than that and you need to understand the fundamentals of any investment and how it fits into your overall plan. So, Luke, we've discussed that different suburbs can perform differently. As I said, Australia is a very big country, so some suburbs may be growing even if you know the vast majority of them aren't. Um, are there any current hotspots that you've got your eye on at the moment, Luke? Well, this is a good question. Uh, hotspots that, that I'm involved in right now, uh, I've been investing in we mentioned Early Beach before. I've been investing in Early Beach since 2017 and prices back then were uh, very, very low. Uh, and the reason for that was that a lot of the uh, regional areas around the country, I guess people had, um, you know, beachside locations. People had holiday homes up, up in the Early Beach region and up until the GFC, people were coming up here for holidays. And I, I say here because I'm up in Early Beach right now for mm-hmm. those that are listening. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the uh, the market basically crashed after the GFC. A lot of people had holiday homes. They had big mortgages. Interest rates were a lot higher back then. And one of the first things that they did, they had to sell their investment properties. Right? A lot of people had big margin loans and you know on their shares in the stock market. Um, they had to sell very quickly. And so a lot of people sold uh, in this market for quite a discount to what they originally paid for it. And since the GFC, there hasn't been a, a huge amount of movement in the market. There hasn't been any new developments. There hasn't been any new stock come on the market. However, the population growth has slowly increased on over that period of time since the GFC till about 27, 2018. Now, I bought uh, quite a few properties uh, in, in this area uh, over that last five years or so, and um, we've seen phenomenal growth in the last five years. So just as an example, uh, 2017, 2018, a four-bedroom house, uh, would sell for roughly four hundred fifty to four hundred seventy thousand um, dollars. Just last week, in this area, in the same suburb, um, a suburb called Cannonvale, we saw a, a house hit a new record for the suburb at a million and twenty five thousand. And so wow. we've seen prices double over a four to five year period, and that's uh, you know, the 
there's still more of that to come. So as far as a hotspot, I guess now it's become a hotspot, but the best time to invest was four or five years ago. Mm. Um, there are still opportunities to create some good capital growth in areas like this. Uh, but obviously, when we're looking you know, two or three years before it happens, that's the best time to be in there, especially if you're a retail uh, buyer, buying something that's finished and ready to go. If you're actually building the property and creating that growth, um, that's going to help add some equity. But there are other opportunities around the country and there's certainly areas that we're looking at and we always factor these things in when we're looking at properties for our members. But we are chasing the fundamentals on a property first. Uh, first and foremost, we're looking at what's going to give it that long-term growth, uh, what is going to give it uh, give the best outcome for our members, get the best tax outcome, the best rental yield. Of course, we want to factor in capital growth, but we want to make sure that the property is sustainable in somebody's portfolio. We've got to make sure that they can afford it, the rental yields are correct, um, and get that right balance there. The vacancy rates are right so that we can factor in all of these things and we're not mm. just going out there chasing hotspots. So if yeah. we look at something and the fundamentals are there, then that in turn should give it the the, I guess the the building blocks to become a hotspot at some point in the future, right. but whether it gives us uh, just a solid, steady capital growth or whether we get boom bust type growth is not really relevant because we're holding it for the long term and because we bought it for the right reasons in the first place. Because the mm. the suburb and the property that we've purchased has good fundamentals, it's got good bones, like they say, and it's got a good reason to invest in it for the long term. If it becomes a hotspot, great but we're not chasing it because it's going to be a hotspot. Yeah, fantastic. So, Luke, anything else to add today with, with today's topic that you think would be valuable for everyone listening? My advice, don't chase hotspots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a, a, a lot of people, and it, we took a, it took a little while to get to that point, but look, a lot of people chasing hotspots are really chasing what they're really looking for. If you drill down to it, they're looking for some fast money. And mm-hmm. the reality is yeah. that the most successful investors in, in the country and in the world are patient and they take a steady approach to their investing. They understand that it's long-term and they understand that to get the results, they're going to have to be patient with that and they're trying to make a quick buck by by picking a hotspot. Uh, really could be a fool's game in the in the scheme of things because you, you might get that wrong. Uh, now, not to say that some people won't get it right, but do you really want to put all of your investment money into something that may not work out? Or would you Mm. prefer to put your money into something that you've got confidence that it does make sense as a long-term investment? Mm. Well, I know which one I'd personally prefer. Anyway, thank you so much for your time today, Luke. You're always very generous with it. Uh, I hope that answers any questions that anyone had about this. And Luke, have yourself a great weekend. We'll see you soon. Thanks, baby. You too. If you found this episode or any of our episodes helpful, please make sure to share and leave a rating to help us reach more people on their investing journeys. And of course, subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in the show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you're ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au.